sport practice, daily routine of freediving is something that really seems very peaceful and you have to be very honest with yourself uh, mentally, um, honest with your body, knowing your limitations, knowing when to push. So it's, for me, it's something that you really have to get in touch with yourself. Welcome to the Social Fabric Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week, my guest is Claire Walsh. Claire is Ireland's record holder of freediving, a sport that she has taken on just a few years ago. She participated in the World's Championships in 2019, the only Irish person to do so, and she's passionate about bringing the sport to a new level. She also works as a voice coach and a puppeteer, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with her. You can find more episodes on socialfabric.ie, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The music is shortened for rights reason. The full playlist is available on Spotify. The program is also broadcast every Monday on Dublin's Near FM 90.3. If you want to get in touch with the program, please email me at info at And a quick thank you to all of you that booked tickets for the first live event in the Whale Theatre on the 30th of January. This event is now sold out and is waiting list only. However, tickets for the second event on the 27th of February will be on sale pretty soon. I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Can I call you up a while it's on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk or fly. I'll normally stick to the, the plan, but sometimes I go off on a tangent. Go for it. So, there we go. Claire Walsh. Thanks a million for making the trip. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, we're going to start from the end. Okay. Which is, uh, the end for me is the, the day you went to do your world championship. Is it September? Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to start from there. Tell us a bit your free diving world championship. It's really funny. I only had a conversation with someone this morning about the world championships. And I said, between now and New Year's, I need to actually sit down and kind of reflect on it. Because it was wild. It was wild um, in every sense of the word. And once I came home from that, I, I had a family wedding and then I went competing again. So the World Championships has kind of been shoved in a bit of a box and I think I need to take it out and look at it. Um, so it was terrifying. <laughs> So let's put it this. We started. I read something that yeah, you felt like um, cool runnings the both. Oh, I'm totally the Jamaican ball. So just team. to qualify, you went off to do the world championship of freediving yeah. in Egypt. Yeah, no, that was in in, Doha. in Villefranche, so oh, Nice, in Nice, France, yeah, in Nice. And you were the first Irish person. Yeah. Irish woman or Irish person? Irish person, yeah. Okay, so represent... tell us all about that now. Yeah, so <laughs> first person to represent Ireland in the World Championships. We have other Irish competitors, but none of them would have competed, I suppose, at that level. Um, there was a, a, a guy from Mullingar who was supposed to come with me, um, but that fell through. So I went from being the first woman to the first person. Um, and, you know, like... <laughs> I decided to kind of was toying with the idea of it um, November one year ago and then applied and then registration and all the time it still felt quite abstract um, you know I decided to do it and then I was like oh I, I kind of get back in the water I was living in it was scary at the time I need to start training I need to get fit oh I have a lot to do um, 
so off I went but so when I got when I got to the world I'm jumping around here when I got to the world championships um, I really underestimated I suppose the um, formality of the setup really like we had an opening ceremony and a parade for the athletes and it was at lunch um, it was at lunch a couple of days before that I was sitting with you know um, the Danish team and uh, Great Britain and there's a few um, Swedish divers as well and they were saying uh, what are you wearing to the parade it's like I don't know like shorts and t-shirt why what like is there a dress code and they're like well no obviously you know what? what's your team colours it's like huh it's like <laughs> what, you know what what did they say what um, clothing did your federation give you? Are you kidding me? No one knows what freediving is in Ireland, let alone have a federation that'll give me clothes. Oh, God. Um, so you had no officials. There was no official Irish no. diving association no. person. No, we don't no. have one. We don't, we don't have, have one. one. Okay. No, not yet. Okay. Um, and I think it was then. So I think that was about a week before the opening ceremony. I think then it really hit home. I wasn't there as part of the team. And that was difficult. That mm. was really difficult. Um, other people had obviously teammates. Um, some had coaches. Some had remote coaches, and a lot of them had a lot more experience than I did. Um, so Who was with you? Um, Claire. Just you, <laughs> Claire. There yeah. was no friend, no family. So I would have known people um, from diving, but everyone goes into this weird kind of competitive bubble. So some of the pals that would have relied on. Or kind of thought, well, you know what, I had them there. They were in their own little, I'm competing bubble. And it's the World Championships, you're allowed to do that. Now, my, my family did come over for the competition, um, which was terrific. And also terrifying. Because they'd never seen me dive. Um, and also, and it's not like a sport that's instantly recognisable. So they don't know what a dive is going to look like. So the first time they see me dive, I black out which was my worst nightmare, and it happened. Um, Before yeah. you go on now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know nothing about diving, only yeah. the movies I've seen, the big, mm -hmm. blue, big or, blue, yeah. I know some of it, some, some of it, but I don't know the details mm -hmm. of it. But, so, how does it work? Do you do different heats, the same as? Uh, no. no. Um, so, for the World Championships, um, most, you, you go in a team, um, so then you have to compete obviously against different uh, divers of your nationality to make a spot on to get a spot on the team. We don't have a team, <laughs> so I had to just send over my credentials and um, uh, dives I had done and to get them validated or whatever to to prove that I had gone to those depths. So um, yeah, I, I did. I went over on my own, and I I have a pretty good sense of adventure. <laughs> and when I got there I was like alright I'm literally out of my depth here <laughs> um, but at the same time like there were other divers well, the great thing about free diving is in that it's a relatively new sport so I'd be sitting having lunch with some of the top divers in the world so you get like total fangirl moments like I've watched their videos on YouTube I've followed their careers and then they're sitting going so how's your dive today you know and it's it's so humbling and, you know, when I'm talking about going out there on my own, like, a lot of people adopted me. So I was well looked after. But, uh, yeah, it was terrifying. So the actual competition works out. Um, so it's a depth competition. There's lots of different disciplines in freediving, but this was the depth, World Championships. 
So essentially, it's going from the surface of the water down to whatever depth you announce. There's three different disciplines. One is called free immersion, which is pulling down on a rope. The other one is another one is called constant weight, which is going down with the fin. And the other one is, is called constant weight, no fins. And that's like a breaststroke. And then, so that would be regarded as the most pure form of freediving and arguably the most challenging. So um, it's, a, it's kind of a funny sport because the night before you decide what depth you're going to announce. So you could announce 60 meters and I'm going to announce 55. So you kind of know, well, if you make your dive and I make dive, you've won. So your dive's going to be before mine. So kind of the, the results are already set by the time you get to dive, if that makes sense. So you can't, if you decide to do 55, you're not allowed to go up to 60? No, okay. no, no, absolutely not. Okay. Um, but that's when things can get really strategic. So if both you and I are going for a national record of Ireland um, and we know it's set at 50, so do I go, okay, well, he's going to go, well, with the same sex, but, you know, well, she, she might go 51, so do I jump it to Clearden and then it's 55? Or is she going to go conservative? And then I, like, this is where things get really strategic. Thankfully, that didn't really apply to me because I was just there doing it for myself. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. So there's a discipline each day. So it's men, women, men, women. Which um, one did you do? Did you do I did three. I did the three disciplines. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was the, just before we break for the first song, what was the, the, the depth that you, the record you, you did? So I did two national records I think in Nice I can't remember right now um I did two national records yeah I did um and it's funny it's not that I'm ashamed of them but they would be very conservative dives for me and what was the the meters so it was 36 meters in constant weight which in <laughs> I just like because we can't see it but you're shrugging your shoulders yeah. I mean, 36 meters is a long way down but it's not it's so funny because <laughs> that will be a warm-up dive for me in Egypt you know when things are calm and when I hadn't just blacked out you know that's a normal dive and I remember talking to a good pal of mine and um, the night before and I was saying her name is Mandy Sumner I was like Mandy what if, what if I black out again she's like Claire you're not gonna black out it's a 36 meter dive I was like yeah okay but I might, I didn't expect it the last time. She said, okay, hang on a second. If I was diving to 70 meters, where would you come and meet me? You know, uh, saying that I'm her safety diver. I'm like, I'd meet you about 30, 35. She goes, would you even consider for a second that you might black out in that dive? I'm like, no, of course. Oh, I see what you're doing, okay. <laughs> and that, that was a really nice frame because I can safety, no problem. Um, and then she said, L's bells which is a snore, a site in the blue hole, just off the, the blue hole. And it's like a chimney and you go down and it, you come out at about 32 meters. And I do that for fun. That's my day off. I kick down and you go down so you're like, you're fully enclosed and you come out of the bottom of the cave and you swim back up. That's snorkeling, you know, and I do that repeatedly without like big preparation, without doing my yoga in the morning. That's my fun day. So she said, how deep is Elsbell's? I was like, uh, 32, I think. She was right. You're just doing an L's dive. And that was, that was the, thank you, Mandy. That was the loveliest image to breathe up with, to prepare with. It's one of my favorite dives. So it really just shifted my, my perspective. So when I say I have a 36 meter constant weight dive, it's, it's, 
I suppose a fraction of my potential, but yeah. Yeah, but look, I'll ask you a bit more about that, but tell me about your first song, Coldplay, Fly mm. On. Yeah, um, it's a real diving song for me. Um, there's some nice acoustic versions of it as well. Um, it's a song I, yeah, it's funny, all the songs I didn't particularly think, I just knew them and jotted them down. Um, it's a real diving song for me, it's a real diving preparation, it's just calmer. I don't even particularly know the lyrics to it. Um, it's a song that I just listen to when I want to start getting into the mindset to dive. When things need to slow down a little bit, when I need to focus on my breathing and, you know, I... <laughs> Call my, you know, the monkey personality that just wants to go and play and chat to people when that needs to just quieten down. That song usually is in my ears, and that's how I start preparing. Flock a bird, hovering above, just a flock of birds. Question now from the first picture you just told me. I think let's start from the blackout for a second as a parent and just picturing yeah. your parents sitting there. Yeah. And so you're going down. What does that mean, blackout, and how do you research this? So, blackout simply means there are stages of hypoxia, lack of oxygen. Um, blackout means you've run out completely. Um, now we can stay conscious for, you know, actually a considerable amount of time without oxygen, but um, conscious thought uses the most oxygen. So loss of consciousness is actually the body's way of uh, conserving oxygen. So I went down, I was nervous, and the conditions on the surface were crazy. Um, I remember getting to the bottom, I took my tag, I shoved it in my hood, um, I started uh, coming back up and I saw a safety diver um, so that meant I was about 20 metres on the way back up and then I felt the thermocline so it went from cold to warm again That was so I remember going okay I'm at 15 I'm almost there um, I turned slightly to orientate myself because you have to come up facing the judges so I turned and that's my last memory now when I came to <laughs> When I came to, my first thought was, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> because I, people, I, it took me a second to figure out what happened. They were pulling me out of the water. But my second thought, I guess, was mum and dad. I didn't, I knew what had happened. I didn't know where it had happened. I also didn't know what it had looked like. I know it can look quite scary. And I just... As afraid, I suppose, for what mom and dad saw or what their impressions might be or what they might think that meant. And um, we're slightly more au fait with it. Um, so as they were pulling me out of the boat or out of the water onto the platform, um, I, I was trying to look for the camera and to wave to them and signal that I'm okay. Now, in my head, I was giving a very smooth and fluid movement. In reality, it looked like I was trying to elbow all the safeties off me. Off me. Um, 
so I think that was probably quite a, a cause of stress and panic for me and then I had to sit on oxygen for a couple of minutes I think about 10 minutes and have uh, a checkup and I just I was dying to go back to my phone and just text them saying all good see you in about 20 minutes um, so once I could do that I was okay and after that you went again you have yep. to do another dive how yeah. far uh... so it was two days later okay um, and actually was that then yeah the first dive was Sunday then the next dive was to be Tuesday and it was cancelled due to weather so it was postponed again to Thursday so those few days were really tough like when I decided to do this um, and I was training in Egypt if someone had took me aside and said Claire you're going to black out your first dive but the other two will be great do you want to go ahead and do it I would have said no um, so the dive that I had my blackout on, and it happened on the surface um, the dive that I had my blackout on I'd actually blacked out before on that it's the only two times that I've had um, a hypoxic event and my whole thing was that oh my gosh like I'm, I'm a shallow diver compared to these elite athletes here how mortifying that the Irish girl blacks out you know on this relatively shallow dive you know I don't think my ego would have let me go through with it um, so I spent so much time and effort mentally preparing for that specific dive. <laughs> like my coach would set up the conditions and he'd give me an official top, which is your countdown. And uh, it was su- it was such a mental game doing that, you know, preparing for that dive, and it, it didn't work. It still didn't work out. And what about those few days after? I mean, that must have been on your own. At that stage, are you going back into the water before the next dive? No. Or you're literally just training in a gym or whatever? Yeah, no, no, it was rest. Just rest? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you see, you know, I planned obviously to dive on the Tuesday, so that means you would definitely rest from Monday. And then Tuesday morning, as far as I was aware, the dive was going ahead, and so it's up and yoga and whatever, meditation. And then it was cancelled quite late. So then, um, because of the weather, and then just a gang of us, a gang of us went to meet up and we were everywhere in a WhatsApp chat chat. Um, I said, lads, we just go to the pub. We're like typical Irish, not helping our stereotypes abroad. Um men just can we meet there for coffee, obviously. But I just was a bit like, lads, feck this, we all need to blow off steam. Now blowing off steam is like having a singular beer and maybe half a pizza with someone. You know, everyone's on a quite a tight training regime or you know diet. Um, but it was actually lovely. A uh, gang of us met up. And just, you know, we had more than one coffee. That's a treat for a free diver. It's like someone's ordering a second espresso. It's woo! Um, so that was actually a really nice afternoon. Um, and then the next day was the men's competition. And then you're prepared, you're wondering, is the dive going ahead the following day? So you're always kind of in a state of, um, not readiness, but, you know, being prepared. And so much of that is your mental state. So it's... You know, I was on my own. It was mum and dad were still there at that point. So you're trying to get the balance of socialising and having company and enjoying this experience because Villefranche is absolutely stunning. But you also need to um, mind yourself and keep in the zone. You're not actually here on holiday. So put that ice cream down. Kind of <laughs> but then you have this... Um... Beautiful video you put it, I think it was the French television that uh, recorded of you coming out actually doing the dive 
and uh, listen to the commentator talking about you singing yeah. before going down as part of preparation. That's a fabulous uh, yeah. video to have. It was, and again, it's it's the Cool Runnings uh, theme <laughs> for me. So before my dive, my second dive, so bear in mind, I'd had that gap. I'd found that quite stressful. I'm really aware that the more you think, the more you're using oxygen. So like, what's the first thing someone does if you said, don't think about? You're going to think about that immediately. So it's that whole thing of trying to keep a little bit softer or quieter in your head, not thinking about what's going to happen. Oh, look, it's a minefield. So the day before my, or the morning for my first dive, I'd gone into a corner, stuck in earphones, and I did uh, just breathing techniques. Normal, grand. I was like, okay, just they didn't work for me. You know, it wasn't congruent with who I am or whatever the phrase is <laughs> <laughs> um, and I felt like again the Bobsled team tried to emulate the I think with the German team doing all their pre uh, bobsled rituals so I was like I'm just gonna do what's right for me and I sing I sing all the time um, much to my family's <laughs> torment I sing all the time so uh, and to sing you have to be able to breathe and you also have to be able to breathe properly um, so I went to the corner and I was getting, getting dressed and I just started singing, which is normal for me. And people who know me would know that I have like a bit of a constant soundtrack. Um, and then someone said, do you know X, Y, Z song? I'm like, I'm not a human jukebox here. <laughs> so it was just a really nice way to chill out and prepare. Also, I was conscious I was quite loud. Um, but it was... You know, I knew it was helping my mood. It was helping me stay focused without stressing myself about staying focused. So, yeah, it felt it felt really right. It felt like this is how I do things. Um, and then I think that same video, I love the end of it because I literally, like, it may as well have been a 100-meter dive. Yeah. So while I'm shrugging my shoulder and going, yeah, 36 meters, um, it may as well have been 100 in terms of the, the mental challenge for that yeah, dive. That's a fabulous. I recommend anybody to have a look yeah, at it. It's great. It's a nice moment. So the wind that shakes the barley, Dolores Keen. Mm. Why that song? Yeah. Um, that song, oh gosh, that has lots of relevance for me. Um, I can't remember who introduced me to that song. I can't even, I'm not, I'm not sure. It was a couple of years ago. Um, but it became a big song. I worked in, I worked with puppets. I've worked in theatre um, and I had a puppetry company with one of the Lamberts and we submitted a play to The Fringe, I think it was 2014. Um, and that song became a really big part of it. So I sang it. And I love it. I love it because it's a story. Um, and... I think I sent you Dolores Keen version, but the one the version that I have in my head, um, it's far more haunting. It's quite eerie, um. So I sing that song a lot, but I also use that song for static. So static is the free diving discipline, where you hold your breath lying flat on the surface of the water, and that typically will be your longest breath hold. So that's my six minute. So I always use that song or very often use that song. Again, it's a story. It takes you through and it's a song that I'm so familiar with. Um, you know, everyone, supposedly everyone has their at least one party piece. That's definitely my one. I can kind of whack it out wherever I am. Um, 
but again it, it's the story of it that I really really love and the language in it and it's Irish and it's haunting it's beautiful so when I'm breathing up for a dive or whether it's a static dive lying flat or I was preparing to do depth it's one that I always kind of um, I do the first two verses and just use it to just quieten and that's usually my, my start of the preparation they sat within a valley green I sat me with my true love my heart it drove me to between the old love and the new love the old for heart the new that made me think on island deer when i met you the first time i met you um it was barry dempsey that yeah. asked me to to talk to you and then <laughs> as it turns out i met you through through neil uh verso neil Meehan. we're sitting there having breakfast and you just said yeah everybody can hold their breath for three minutes yeah and I told my kids, I told my wife, I told everybody I met, and they were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I'd like to know about that bit. But before that, why, like you only decided 12 months before you did the World Championship. That's, That's to me, yeah. sounds really short time for yeah, something like that. Why have you just, did you decide to do that? And I mean, why most people go, okay, I do a marathon in 12 months. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it could be mad, but sure, you're, you can always stop. I think I'd done that. I, I'd already done that plan okay. already before. Um, a few years ago, I decided like that for the marathon. And I injured my knee um, the Tuesday before right. the weekend. So like, I'm never training out for marathon. Um, yeah, I, I know the date. I know it's November 16th. I was like, maybe, maybe. Um, and I went and met a personal trainer and I had a lot of work to do to even get me to a baseline fitness, let alone get in the water. So I really was kind of only toying with the idea or flirting with it, I guess, until of maybe March. Actually, I met my, my brother-in-law and we were having lunch. And he just was like, shit or get off the pot, Claire. Like, are you booking these flights or not? He had a, quite a direct way of saying it or whatever way he put it. But just as like... He just said, just, just go for it. Book the flights to Dahab and look, you've everyone behind you. So that was only, that was March. And I wasn't to go to Dahab until May. And the World Championships were in September. And the year before, it had been really challenging mentally, emotionally, physically. And um, it sounds flippant to say that I just wanted to do something cool because obviously there's a lot more to it than that. But it was more about um, taking the reins back on things on my life or, you know, we have this idea of how things should look by a certain age or in accordance to society or your pals or peers or whatever. And kind of life hasn't worked out like that. It hasn't worked out like that for a lot of people, but I just wanted to do something um, was different and celebrate that difference as opposed to bemoaning it or uh, comparing it. <laughs> the World Championship seems like the best place to start. Well, it's, uh, it's amazing, yeah. And so you went to Dahab in mm -hmm. Egypt 
Yeah. Is there a center for... for it's a training? huge community okay. of freedivers. Huge. Okay. So, um, and you and went I, on a regime of four months, whatever it was, three yeah, months. Yeah. So that's an everyday die or yeah, exercise. Yeah. And tell me, if I wanted to do the same, no? For example, I don't know. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, but genuinely, in terms of going from possibly snorkeling, mm-hmm. whatever what most of us have done, yeah. to going down to a depth that it's beyond most people's comprehension. Yeah. What are the steps? Well, we're, we're, you know, we're from, from zero to 60 meters, which is now your, your record, am I right? Mm-hmm. That's a long way down. Yeah, it is. So how, how do you go from that to that? Um, well, my first bit of advice would be take a course. Um, I have gotten a lot of messages over the last six months asking for tips. Um, people have watched YouTube videos um, and, and have picked up some techniques. So the caveat with freediving is there is an element of danger. Um, you know, every time I go to an interview or something, I get told the same thing. Freediving, second most dangerous sport in the world. It means me think, what's the most dangerous? Um, which is kind of at odds with my experience. Now, obviously, in a competitive environment, it is different. But the actual sport practice, daily routine of freediving is something that really seems very peaceful. Um, you have to be very honest with yourself uh, mentally. Um, honest with your body, knowing your limitations, knowing when to push. So it's, for me, it's something that you really have to get in touch with yourself far more than any discipline I've ever experienced. So when it's, you know, held up there as this really extreme, dangerous sport for adrenaline junkies, I, 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 it doesn't resonate with me. I don't get it. And um, obviously, competitive at the high end is quite different. So... You know, when anyone asks me about freediving, I'll say take a course because there's lots of things that you can do wrong, not knowing any better, and that can put you at danger. And so, you know, if anyone's interested, take a course. It's not particularly done in Ireland at Burgess Callaghy over in Sligo uh, runs courses, but we don't have the conditions to do depth training here. We don't even really have the conditions to do a starter course here. Why is it too, uh, too so cold? Too visibility, cold, um, temperature, uh, current too strong, too okay. choppy. Because I noticed you, was it you run a workshop? Uh, yeah. And a freediving mm-hmm. workshop recently, right? Mm-hmm. Just this month, yeah. Yeah, I've run in the start of December and then have some in January And well. where do you run those and so how do people? Yeah, so okay. what I'm doing with them, like that, I've had loads of uh, people interested in it. And it's a pity to just, you know, uh, draw a line under free diving while I'm here. So um, I'm teaching the breathing techniques and then we do static. Mm-hmm. So you can you do that traditionally in a pool. It's a pool discipline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, breath hold is the foundation of free diving. So there actually is a lot that we can do here. It's just not all the cool stuff of diving down and seeing fishes and sharks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, that can be taught here. Um, and, there, and there are places, you know, you can go to do the courses. But yeah, that, that's something obviously I feel really strongly about. Um, and I'm almost really reticent to recommend anything ever. Because no. people have a tendency to go, oh, I should give, give a go in the pool. Yeah, yeah. Even, even my own dad saying, he said, three minutes. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, he was a fit man. 
Um, he doesn't smoke. Um, he swims regularly. I was like, yeah, but yeah, but whoa, 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 whoa. Do not try that on your own. I'll be grand. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure we're all familiar with that as the Irish saying, Asher, look, be grand. No, because when you, actually, when you said it to me, uh, when you were recounting um, um, the dive, you mentioned this, this beautiful scene in my head of, um, it becomes, is a negative? Uh, negative buoyancy. Buoyancy. Mm. And that's around the 22 metres, is it? Oh, no, it's much earlier for me. Um, so you weight yourself depending on where you want to become negatively buoyant. Oh, you're talking about free fall? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I weighed myself to become negatively buoyant at between 10 and 12 metres. Okay. After that, you're still using effort, whether that's uh, kicking or that breaststroke or pulling down your rope. And then at about 20, 22, you go into free fall. Oh. And I saw some of the oh. pictures. It's just, it's just spectacular. And that's, that's your meditation, right? Yep. And honestly, you know, I haven't dived now since 20th of... October, so two months, and I like a dream about free fall. It is, it is, and I and I use I've used this phrase before, but it's the closest thing I can describe it to. But it's the closest thing that I think I'll ever experience of flying. Weightlessness, um. There's like there's a softness to it as well, and a nice free fall, a good free fall, a free fall that works is just like the most lovely dream ever. It's just gorgeous. You're not unconscious, but you're not really alert either. It is. You're becoming so, one. Oh, it is an incredible feeling. And then if you've a really good free fall, so you know, at the end at the end of a rope um is a ball which stops your lanyard, which will you connect to the rope. And that gives you a meter to reach down and get the bottom plate, which is the tag. So we refer to the ball as the tennis ball. So you'll often hear a diver describe a good dive as, oh, I just arrived at the tennis ball. There's no pushing. There's no, come on, an extra meter. You just switch off or soften, whatever phrase you prefer, and boom, you arrive. And then you turn and it really, it makes the way up lovely because you've been chilled out and everything is, oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> magic, magic. Yeah, it really is. So, Jupiter, Gustav, mm. Gustav Hoist. Gustav Hoist, yeah. Um, I really love that piece of music. Um, also, it's the piece of music that the, oh, now I can't remember what it's called, um, the Rugby World Cup. Um, what's it called? World in Union, that's it. Okay. It's based on. Okay. Um. Yeah, I love it. Um, I would have studied music uh, as a kid and played piano and have had to do musicianship every Saturday afternoon in the College of Music. Um, so I would have had an exposure to different kinds of music. Um, and this one, I just remember, I loved listening to it um, from quite an early age. Kind of triumphant and it's exciting and it's then it goes into like a softness. And yeah, it's just, it's uh, a piece that's just been a part of a part of my life but yeah it, it's been part of the soundtrack Claire's greatest hits <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Stephen, you, you mentioned um, growing up and, and things. I always like to go back a little bit into into people's lives, and obviously you, you you're very attuned with your sense, you know, your sensory, whether it's music or yeah. And uh, so, just give us a bit of a background. And you grew up in Kildare, right? Yeah, in Lixlip, County Kildare. Lixlip, yeah. Yeah. It's now it's now a suburb. Yeah, you know, it's practically Dublin. <laughs> and when I say, "Oh, you're from Kildare," it's like, "Where Lixlip?" That's not Kildare. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. just give us a bit of an idea. So, I mean, obviously. Uh, if, if you a few siblings and all that, yeah, and then you study music, just give us a yeah, bit of a I sense have of. Two, two sisters and one brother to check there. I'm the eldest of them. And yeah, it, you know, obviously the most common question I get asked is, you know, you know, we free diving from a kid. I'm like, well, no, because no. But we did swim, and water kind of always has been part of my life. But so is music. Um, like two of my earliest memories are music and water so it was sitting my dad had an office upstairs and um he'd be working and behind him there was a big kind of red chair not granny morton's red chair but a big red chair and i'd sit in it and he would play me anything uh you know like from Bach to Beethoven to Mozart to musicals uh Garth Brooks came in there in the later years Eric Clapton so I kind of learned music that way um, and like my first memory of a piece of music is Phantom of the Opera and you know we, we did the timeline to it around you know I was saying like, when was that time so I think it was around two or three so that's pretty early mm-hmm. um, and water I always swam dad took me swimming on Sunday afternoons uh, before the other three came and wrecked, <laughs> wrecked my foot <laughs> and then a little bit later on we all went swimming in sports go every Saturday evening um, oh, for years and then I went on to do a little bit more training but we were talking about so the Saturday evenings <laughs> uh, swimming um, six o'clock to seven we'd all go to classes and do our lengths and whatever and then playtime you'd be dying for playtime didn't matter what age we were but We'd you know we do races we're kind of quite competitive, uh, we have our lengths and then races and then playtime. So playtime was dad would just get the rings of toys and feck them down in the, in the deep end and we'd all go diving for them. That's free diving. So yes, I was free diving from a young age, um, but it wasn't until you know obviously a little bit later I did a bit of travelling and it's something that I'm most grateful to well, my parents. Mum doesn't swim. Um, I don't even think she has her face wet in the shower but <laughs> I'm most grateful to mum and dad um, just for that respect of water you know like there are rules there are rules if you want to engage and if you flout those rules well that's when trouble happens um, but you know when you're going away and you can do the snorkeling or you can try scuba diving because you don't have a fear you have a healthy respect for water I think that's such an incredible gift and you know Obviously, mum doesn't partake herself. Um, but something, yeah, I'm really grateful to, to both my parents for giving me, it's really informed, obviously, of what I do now. Mm. Um, and the same goes with music. But obviously, there's a, there's a lot more than uh, your parents teaching or upbringing. There's a lot more than just the water. And, and uh, I mean, you're just you're speaking very highly of them, which is it's lovely to hear. But did, were you always that close to them? Or did, did you go off as a teenager? Did you go off as a... 
I'm the greatest. I don't want to know about you guys. Ah, look, you know, I don't know if I've come out at that stage. <laughs> honest, like, I've always done things just that little bit differently. Okay. Um, but they were obviously very supportive all the time. Well, you know what? I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do acting in theatre. And I think I was the only one of my friends who, not, not was allowed, but was supported to do it. So, yeah, like, I was talking to Dad about this recently. And I was um, telling him about an idea that I had for 2020. I just kind of shrugged and kind of the way it's been with them is I'll decide something and you know there'll be questions but they'll catch up because they always do and to be fair they they would give me so much space to go and explore like you know I I did my first free diving course in 2015 and I remember ringing mum and said mum I'm doing free diving and she said, oh, it's great you don't have to pay for your scoop anymore because that was very expensive. And I was like, no, it really is. But then fast forward to four years and I have mum, dad, uh, Kate and my sister, my brother-in-law, my nephew, and then pals over-supporting me at the Freediving World Championships. That's within four years. So to be fair, they're a family, we're a family that's going, right, what are you doing? Cool, we're on board, you know. So I've, I've, I've been given so much freedom you know, you know, I've worked in puppetry, I've worked in yeah. theatre, I've gone free diving, so so much freedom to go do, and they just get behind. They will behind you know, support, kind of irrespective. That's great. Mm. Florence in the machine, yeah. shake it out, shake it out. Yeah, which I always thought was shake it off, but it's not. Shake it out. <laughs> um, I love this song. I love this song. This is also another kind of regular party piece. Um, it's also great, or it's a song I sing when again I just need to. Settle a little bit, um, and I love the words. Okay, granted, I I had the words incorrect for quite a number of years, um, but yeah, it's always darkest before the dawn, and it's hard to dance with the devil on your back. And I remember looking up, uh, only recently actually, you know, what the lyrics meant. I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. That's not, you know, what what it means to me. So I left it. But yeah, to me, it represents. uh, being a bit more honest with yourself and um, I don't know I kind of obviously I have always this image of progress as a pendulum it's not always forward in fact for me invariably there's really big stages of swinging backwards so it's kind of acknowledging the dark with the light and but they're all part of the same thing it's just the different sides of the coin so I don't know if I'm the only one that gets that out of that song but it's like, okay, well, there's some stuff that you need to deal with and get through to move forward, but it'll always pull you back a little bit, and it's how you negotiate that that determines how you move forward. Regrets collect like old friends Here to relive your darkest moments I can see no way, I can see no way And all of the goons come out to play And every demon wants his pound of flesh But I'd like to keep some things to myself I'd like to keep my shoes drawn It's always darkest before the dawn I love that image of the pendulum Um, Because through you, you you can't always move forward And things knock you back, life knocks you back and obviously, you, you do a few different things, or you have done a few different things in, te- in terms of uh, paying the rent, you know, like the rest yeah. of us, you have to do something. Yeah. And one of the things you do is uh, voice coaching. Yeah. Uh, what is that? 
what is voice coaching? A really good question. <laughs> and who do you coach? I mean, should I come to you? Or um, you? <laughs> I've so about a year ago, I changed the work that did pay the rent. Um, you know, I've learned a couple of years ago that I need to be my own boss, um, and I'm lucky enough to have a couple of skills to draw on. Um, they sound really eclectic to. So, you know, I'm a puppeteer that does voice coaching and also free diving. How random is that? But to me, there's a there's a through line the whole way. Um, yes, I made that decision to change. You know what I'm doing, and it's still uh, formulating and plans for 2020. For I suppose the whole thing is I want to pull my skills together. So I don't want puppetry over there and singing over there and whatever else. I, I've done movement coaching as well. Um, along with a few other things I want to start to find the common threads in all of them and that's what I do when I'm here so you know before when I've been in Dahab which is where there's loads of freedivers I've taught singing to them because it's about it's, so they don't need to produce a beautiful sound they're not going to stand up and perform but what they can learn is just ways to accentuate or to develop that really um heightened awareness of breathing that they have from being freedivers, but releasing tension from neck and jaw that they wouldn't know. And then when I'm here and working with singers, they'd have all the awareness of, I suppose, posture, tension. So I teach them more about the breathing awareness that comes from freediving. So voice coaching, um, yeah, it's not just about creating beautiful sound for singers, which is something I do or help them to do. Um, but just um, unlocking their voice a little bit more. So I'm making loads of hand gestures here. That's all right. Um, yeah, just about, a, you know, a lot of it about is about tension, which is the same for freediving. And that's what holds us back the most, um, tension in our body. So it's, and, and, it's, and it's hard to know where we hold those, ten, the, those places of tension. And invariably everything for me comes back to breathing anyway. I'm really interested in the, in the, and the fact that you chose to give up your paying rent job, yeah. whatever that was, and and I'm I'm interested for for one reason uh, is it is is it the, you realized that your potentials, your your skills, you, did you get to a point where you went, ah, you know what, I'm actually really good at this, or did you always know? Because I know I went through a few times where I went you know what, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good at this, whatever that this is. And yeah. it took me a long time to, to have the, this, the mental strength to, to actually say, you know what, I'm, I'm actually good at this. I don't care what other people think, I'm going to carry on. And it's not an easy thing to do because, you know, with, as you said at the beginning of the conversation, you're told when you get to 30, you yeah. buy the house, yeah. when you get to 35, you have to, yeah. whatever it is, you know. I only had a conversation with someone this morning about this and we were talking about the idea of choices. Mm. Um, and that everything is a choice. And I was having a little bit of a tantrum moment. I was like, yeah, but I didn't choose. And whatever. Um, at the end of that conversation, you know, uh, uh, kind of, I don't know if I necessarily, I never decided, right, obviously I'm not going to be an accountant, nor am I going to be a teacher or an architect or whatever. Um, I'm going to do something crazy. Like, I never set out to do that. Um I I think I have pretty good instincts. 
But I think it's really easy for them to become clouded. And that's mainly done through fear. Um, I find when I go away, and usually that is for freediving, and my lifestyle is actually so much healthier. So when I say freediving helps me live better, it's because all the things you have to do to freedive are actually really healthy practices that I tend not to do as much here. So when I am away freediving, you know, I get ideas and I have a little bit more mental space to kind of chase them a little bit and see where they go. And the one, well, there's been many terrific things about this year, but the the one that's kind of standing out the most is I have the confidence, hmm, courage, I don't know, to just chase them a little bit more. I think, excuse me, for the last, for the year kind of before that, I'd been fighting with it and trying to fit myself into an idea of what work should look like and what living should look like. And it just jars. It's a square peg round hole. Does not fit. And then the knock on, knock on effect of that is huge. Then nothing works. And suddenly you wonder why you're, you feel so miserable. And what, you know. And then you start to make those switches into something that makes you a little bit happier. Or is, again, my favourite word seems to be congruent at the moment, but of yourself. And then things just flow really quickly but in the right that, direction. Is that your friend Mandy to, to mm. you? You know, yeah. it's your it's your easy dive, your health yeah. dive. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just wants you get your head around. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, you might come out at the end. Of it. it wasn't exactly the easy an easy dive, but you know you can do it, and that's just the yeah. mindset, you know. And and I know exactly. And so, what do you what do you do here at the moment in terms of trying to recreate that that um environment that that lifestyle that you have when you're away because is it easy it's, it's not, so hard it is, hard. It is okay. so hard because obviously you do your yoga your meditation everything else but yeah but it's less pressing now okay you know it's not something you know i'm not a yogi or it's not something that i'm naturally drawn to it's something that i do because i have to for freediving <laughs> so freediving is always the dangling carrot but what i've done started doing here is uh see something so I did a 30-day November challenge, so every day in the water. And that was unbelievable for loads of reasons. Um, but primarily, it just kept me connected to the water. Um, you know, like I have dived in some really beautiful places of crystal clear water and fish and sharks and turtles, dolphins, the whole lot. But I'll always get nostalgic for the 40-foot or, you know, Irish waters, always, because it's just a little buffer. It's... Uh, a bit more wild and a bit more raw and that to me is home so the the november challenge was just a lovely way to keep connected with the water in a way that was well your home and this is cold water it's something different and then what opened up was wow there's lots of people that do that here and suddenly i'm meeting people sure i met yourself you know in that context and you know then if people text and go i'm trying to go for some of the coffee so you know what, there are lots of ways and that it does open up other ways of living. Um, so grateful for that. It's it's one of my favourite things to do. But yeah, coming home it is tricky and to keep up that level of dedication. Obviously some of it goes by the wayside. But again, it's that whole, you know, we're talking about, you know, making those choices. And fear plays a huge factor because if you're doing something different, a little bit outside the box, you can like get analysis paralysis you know you're trying to work out how is this feasible and that can become well for me it can become so overwhelming that I just don't and I think that's what's changing this year 
It's like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. I'm just going to do it anyway. Like, <laughs> the worst happened. I blacked out during my dive. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The world didn't end. No one cared. In fact, no one probably remembers except me and, you know, my family watching it. But they'll remember my good dives. So it was a real, oh, sounds so cheesy, it was a real life lesson going, worst happened. You dealt with it. You moved on. Right. You can do it and then go on. No, it sounds great. It sounds great. Um, so tell me about uh, Nina Simone. I wish I knew how it would feel it's to be free. free. It's just such a light song. <laughs> it's just... Um, oh, I just love that song. I, I don't... like. There's no... Again, it's similar to Jupiter. There's no specific reason or memory. It's just a song that will always come back on my whatever Spotify or iPod or whatever um, and it's a real like ah, I love this song or it's you know you see you sing along to it without realising it and it's just it's light it's free and it's uh, I wish I knew how it would feel to be free I wish I could break all the chains holding me I wish I could say All the things that I should say Say I'm loud, say I'm clear For the whole round world to hear I wish I could share All the love that's in my heart and that's uh, it's an art that is dying a little bit, isn't yeah. it? Or is it like I know the Lambert family here? Um, but they, they were I worked deep with them for years. Yeah, they were yeah. deep over here. Yeah, I remember when I first came over, they, they still had the, the theater down in the Leary. Right. Is that yeah. still there? No, no, it's gone. No, in fact, this is my first Christmas not doing a show with them in oh, wow. maybe eight years, seven wow. years anyway. Yeah. So how did you get involved in that? Because I mean, that's that, that, that again. I I know one one other puppeteer, and she still does it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a hard grind. Really randomly, funnily enough, <laughs> like most things, um, I met someone. They we were walking to the car, like kind of going from building to car. And how are you? What are you up to these days? That kind of conversation. And she said, "I'm I'm working in Lambert's as a puppeteer, puppet, puppeteer." And the usual reaction is, no way, is that still there? Gosh, I went to that as a kid. You've no idea how many times I've heard that since. Um, so anyway, I, 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 this time, provided those lines. And uh, and then that was it. And then, like, two months later, she rang me. Where she got my number? I have no idea. And said, um, I, I, I have to go away. I need someone to cover a show. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, like, I haven't done anything. I haven't done any puppetry. So would you come in and give it a go? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I just didn't leave. I didn't leave. That was September. I can't remember the year. And then I was sure, there. must be some training provider, or you just literally. Well, I learned on the job, but also you know I had a big background in theatre okay. and movement. I did my master's degree in movement oh, studies. Okay. okay. Uh, my BA in acting. So you oh, know I wasn't okay. cold coming up okay, the street. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I missed that bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, small detail. Um, but I learned from Liam Lambert. That would have been Eugene's son, mm. and also um, Eugene's. Uh, two grandchildren particularly Jason and Richard um, and then you know like it is it's so fascinating to watch them 
and you know I'd pick up a puppet and it look it would look like it was possessed with its arms moving independently of the rest of its body and they'd pick up a puppet and like before your eyes they've just breathed life into it it's incredible to watch so again slightly competitive <laughs> um I want to be able to do that um so I kind of put myself through a crash course uh, of puppetry and I wanted to learn as much as I could about it and um, particularly the the two lads uh, Jason and Richard were really patient with me and would I'd come in during the week and just pick it up and they'd show me techniques that they've learned from their grandfather and um, what I loved about their story was you know um so Eugene at the theatre Eugene and May and they have children and the children would learn it and then the grandchildren some of them learned as well but you progressed up. So you start off uh, doing um, Jack and the Beanstalk has Daisy the Cow and you'd start off by ringing the bells for the cow. I just thought this is incredible. The idea of grandfather and then uncles manipulating the puppets and then the next generation learning by the timing of when the bells. It's such an incredible uh, image and it's I suppose the, the the true meaning of an apprenticeship that doesn't exist as much anymore but actually that's how puppetry um, was learned in Japan you know it would take you years and years and years and years to become a head bunraku puppeteer um, and here was you know in Ireland happening so yeah I just kind of was just hungry to learn whatever they had to teach me and there is such a rich history there and uh, puppets and went back into the 60s um yeah so th there was I had all that at my fingertips so I was really lucky to be able to learn and then I went to London and did a couple of courses and yeah just learned by doing them and uh, just the one question about acting you say you wanted to be an actor at some point <laughs> that did you did you try uh I did my BA here and my preference was for movement and I went to do a master's degree in quite a prestigious London school. I don't think I had a full understanding of what I was getting into. Um, so I thought, I suppose I was going to do physical theatre. Um, knowing that I had still had a really keen interest in voice and singing, maybe I'd do that later on. Um, so I went and did my master's in movement. And after that year, I was pretty burnt out. I was, to be honest, I was too young to go straight in to do it. Um, and then I began to see what the industry was like. And it just wasn't particularly for me. Um, and I tried it. Um, I tried it with always kind of straddling the fence, like still with a bit of a day job. And, you know, I still wanted financial security. And it, it's funny, you know, I, I finally made that leap and bizarrely it's in freediving. I would have thought theatre was my first love. So I finally had the courage to kind of pack through everything else and go, right, I'm going to pursue this. Something that I couldn't do years ago. So maybe was, I'm at the right thing now. But yeah, theatre is something I really enjoy. I enjoy prefer performing, enjoy teaching. Um, probably enjoy directing it a little bit more. Um, and then and now puppetry is now my favourite form. Again, if you sat me down when I was 10 years old and said, this is what's going to happen, I never believed you. <laughs> okay, your second last song is Bohemian Rhapsody, which obviously is, is a fantastic, needs no introduction, but why did you pick it? 
because Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, is five minutes, 59 seconds long, and that's the length of time I can hold my breath. And a pal did that for me, actually. Um, you know, I was I was downplaying my breath hold. Kind of, yeah, but I know such and such, and she can do seven and a half minutes. She's like, Claire, would you just stop? So she went off on her computer, and I was doing something else. And she said, you know Bohemian Rhapsody? I was like, yeah, of course I do. I studied it for my leaving cert. Um, and she said, right, that's the length of time you can hold your breath. And it's become... You know, kind of synonymous, obviously, with my breath hold, but uh, it's great because there's so many different parts to it. And you know, when I tell people, they'll go, Mama, be like they'll go through the parts and they go, No way. And uh, recently, my brother in law texted me and he said, uh, PM Rhapsody's on. And like, in that time, I had a shower, I put on my coffee, I made my porridge, and I shave. It's still on, you know, so it just gives a nice. A nice idea of how long six minutes is, whereas I'm quick to dismiss it. Actually, it's a nice chunk of time. Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and Just before we finish off, I, what I what I got from this conversation so far, um, there's a lot, of, like everything about it, but there's a, there's one thing that really struck me, uh, and I don't want to know the details. Whatever, whatever was going on in your life, you decide, okay, now is the time to make some changes, and those changes are quite traumatic in the eye of most people. Yeah. Yes, deep sea diving, and but. But what I like about it is you obviously you conquered that fear over and over and over and over. Whether it was puppets, whether mm. it was, it. and and I really like that. I like that the fact that, as you say, you know, if you sat me down at ten years of age or eighteen, and we, none of none of us know, mm. but you you're constantly getting there, going, you know what, I'm going to try something else because. It's, and so what I'm curious about is, it, you kind of have mentioned what you what you're going to do hopefully for 2020 but in terms of uh, physical challenge because you're going to do something else right you're not going to be giving up the, the diving what's what's plan what's the plan for 2020 or I, beyond I, I think that's it you know again this conversation this morning was about you know hoping or you know what I want for Christmas this year is just the courage to keep going with this because the fear is constant um, and you know people you know look at curated Instagram or whatever gosh it's so exciting so glamorous and are you kidding me um but you know the fear is quite constant um but you know and yeah there was a lot of conquering of fear and whatever and the payback pay was huge like I've just described you know free fall oh my gosh you know it's worth it it is worth it so towards the end of my I did a competition in October just after the world championships and I had two dives that really stand out. Uh, and they were 50 meter dives. Um, and they were so easy. They were so easy. Again, two years ago, if you'd said, Claire, a 50 meter dive is gonna become, it's gonna feel like a 30 meter dive. I'm going, yeah, right. So I had two dives 
and they were in a competitive environment. So I kind of conquered those nerves. And I remember coming up from the dive and I started singing. What was I singing that day? Oh, gosh, no, God, I'm going to Anyway, I know what I was singing. Um, it was Queen of the Night. Okay. <laughs> anyway, came up from the dive, started singing and laughing. And I was just so giddy. I was so giddy because I had the sense that I'm kind of on the cusp of something in terms of my diving. Um, uh, without getting too nerdy, you have to, you have to equalise or pop your ears. And most people do it a certain way. And a really small fraction of people do it without touching their face which means hands-free equalisation. And it's slightly tricky, trickier, and I do that. So that's always kind of a limiting factor to how deep I can go. And I feel like I'm on, on a bit of a breakthrough. And then I was going home. So next year, I want to compete. I want to go deeper. I want to get back in the water feeling, you know, that I've mentally prepared while I've been in Ireland, that I've kept connected to the water, that, that I'm ready, you know, you know, this, this summer was kind of a crash course in diving. I kind of relearned it. I unlearned bad habits and then prepared to do it competitively, which is quite different. So, you know, I, I am kind of almost gunning to get back in the water because there's so much more there. You know, I, I had a coach and he said, um, do you want another two metres now or 10 metres in the next year? <laughs> I know which one I want to pick. So 2020, I want to keep going competitively. Um, I'm going to compete more, obviously. Um, I, I'm really curious about what I can do if like that. I haven't just decided last minute to go free diving. What can I do with a bit of preparation, um, with a bit of structure, with a bit of focus? And that makes me incredibly excited. Um, the first, I've booked into a competition in Tulum in Mexico. So it's in the cenotes. So that'll be my first time diving in fresh water. Um, and you know, like that's going to be incredible. But yeah, just when is that going to be? Um, I think that's in April, but actually it's going to be put back to July, so it'll be training before that. And then yeah, there are a couple of places. Like I have a wish list as long as my arm of where I'd like to compete. Obviously, it's the financial side that needs to be figured out. And, and talking of the financial, mm. then going back to the the um, cool running analogy. <laughs> I mean, is there John Candy out there? The John Candy that was the, the <laughs> trainer that decided, I'm going to bring this team to the, the Olympics. And is there somebody out there? I mean, are you the only, you're not the only diver in all of Ireland. Absolutely is there a chance not. of getting a team together? Is there a chance of getting some funding I together? I would love that. Um, and, and that's been a really positive effect of this summer is that other divers have reached out to me. And there are some competitive divers um, but again, because it's not something that's easily accessible for us, you know, you haven't done it to a, a, a high level competitively. And, and to me, I'm still a baby diver. You know, I'm still a novice in my head. I want to go much further with it. But, you know, if that's going to happen, we need some resources here. We need like pool clubs. We need some sort of training here. Um, but it wouldn't take too much money anyway. It wouldn't no, be a massive no, amount of money. But a lot of, because, you know... The way I explained it to someone is, if I have to describe to someone what the sport is to begin with, that I'm already at a like yeah, a loss. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, but I think because of this summer and kind of what I've done, like people, you know, that the woman stopped me in Leeks Club uh, during summer. Said you, I was like, yes. 
You have to go and hold some breath. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so this is nothing Mary. like being home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mary, seventy years old, uh, now has a vague notion of what free diving is. Again, you know, my dad's golf club suddenly now know what free diving is. My brother's work, um, you know, so people are hearing about it a little bit more. But yeah, that's the whole thing. So, you know, we talk a lot about community and the importance of it. And I'm lucky I'm kind of been taken into the sea swimming community here. But people have reached out to me. So I'm trying to create a community. And that's another big part of those courses. I'm giving people just the basic understanding of the safety elements and then hopefully we can start to build a training club or community in Dublin and I presume one over the West as well. Um, so there are people that do it here. Yeah, and I what I love about the whole thing is um, it, it ticks so many boxes. It, it is a sport, it's a discipline, mm-hmm. it, it's a reconnection with nature and meditation and so on. You know, there's so many things yeah. that go, and you don't have to go 60 meters. No, no, you no. You could no. do your 10 meter dive if you You don't to. even have to get in the water. Yeah, to be that honest. Yeah. So and uh, just just reconnecting with everything, and yeah. it's just it's it's a fabulous idea. Well, hopefully, you never know who listens to this podcast. You never <laughs> know. They could be the current or the next minister. You might listen to it, and you might throw us a few a few pounds yes, <laughs> to, the, to the group. Well, Claire, before I let you go, I always ask everybody for a quote mm. or a words of wisdom, as they call them. What gets you up in the morning? It's really cheesy, um, but it's actually I've. <laughs> Uh, have it tattooed on my body (laughs) Um, and it's the Oscar Wilde we're all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars and it's obviously it's so overused but genuinely uh, this year in particular it's you know it's really it's putting my money where my mouth is right the situation is as it is how are you going to approach it so yeah there are two ways of looking at things gutter or stars I know which I pick (laughs) I love it and the last song you gave me is Do They Know It's Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> We're probably a few days away from Christmas, but the time this comes out, it'll be in the new year, but it'll be good for the yeah. for just so five days. Yeah, it that. was my it's my favourite Christmas song. I sang it, it came out in nineteen eighty four. So I was two years old at the time. So I'm sure I was adorable, but <laughs> I used to go around the house um, singing it for anyone that would listen or not listen to the case may be. <laughs> so yeah, it's still a song that just got, all oh, right, it's Christmas time. Right, here we go. Well, Claire Walsh, thanks a million for your time. So really much. appreciate it. Enjoy that so much. It's Christmas time.